Peace, grace, this is Pastor Colton Lott from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, El Reno. We have the privilege of building Christian community in El Reno for the world. And so if you care about building Christian community or El Reno or the world, we're glad you're listening to this podcast. If you want to help contribute to the gospel work of this congregation, please visit our website, fcclreno.org, and go to the Give Online tab. And now, here's the sermon for the week. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, wrapped in light as with a garment. You stretch out the heavens like a tent. You set the beams of your chambers on the waters. You make the clouds your chariot. You ride on the wings of the wind. You make the winds. Your messengers fire and flame your ministers. You set the earth on its foundations so that it shall never be shaken. You cover it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they flee. At the sound of your thunder, they take to flight. They rose up to the mountains, ran down the valleys to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass, so that they might not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills, giving drink to every wild animal. The wild asses quench their thirst. By the streams of the the birds of the air have their habitation. They sing among these branches. O Lord, how manifold are are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in its works. Our second scripture today comes from Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earths were finished and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. May God add blessings to the readings of these words in every time and in every place. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we give thanks this day for these words, for this inspiration and for the creation to which we are part. Open us in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits, so that we might hear once more you speaking through these words. Speak through me in spite of me, so that we will experience something good, something holy, and something true. Amen. A few days ago, someone asked me, Who's the most famous person you've ever met? I had to think about it for a moment, but the answer was pretty clear once I remembered. Oh, yeah. One time I met Sandra Day O'Connor. I went to school at Eureka College in Eureka, Illinois. And so for me, the most important part of Eureka's history is that it is one of our disciples' colleges deeply steeped in our disciples' history. 
It was visited by Alexander Campbell, probably even blessed by him. Eureka College was the culmination of a decades-long journey of those early disciples of Christ, those early Stone Campbell movementers to educate their children and themselves because they understood that our approach to faith is one that is deeply affected and influenced by higher education and academic formation. We are in so many ways the marriage of a head religion and a heart religion. But to the larger world, the small liberal arts college in the middle of the cornfields of Illinois has something much more important to offer and that is, in 1932, it graduated a young man who would go on to be very famous. And that man is indeed the 40th president of the United States, Ronald Wilson Reagan. Which meant that we were often a pit stop for Republicans and other conservatives who were seeking higher office. In my time there, Scott Walker, the former governor of Wisconsin, made two stops during his primary run in 2016. Sarah Palin had to come and visit after she mistakenly said that Reagan went to Eureka, California for college. And so she made a little apology tour to Illinois. But the best visit by far was when we hosted, with pomp and circumstance, the retired Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States of America, Sandra Day O'Connor, in 2013 the first woman to serve on the Supreme Court, the moderate of the Rehnquist Court. Her picture was in my high school history book. I know, I just dated myself. But then, to add icing to this cake, I was invited to meet her. Eureka has a Reagan Fellowship and a Disciples Fellowship which recognizes students provide scholarships and opportunities for those with potential for service, learning, and leadership. <laughs> President Reagan founded the Reagan Fellows when he was in presidential office. It's a big deal for them. Uh, but the disciples were organized in its court form by Terry Ewing. And so I just want you to know you're walking in somebody who's done the same thing as a president of the United States. <laughs> After... Justice O'Connor's public address, I got to be among those two dozen students that not only got to meet her, but ask her a question. <laughs> this is one of the most privileged moments of my life, by the way. I was going to get to ask a question of one of the Supremes. Now, I have to admit, I don't know what I asked her. I cannot remember for the life of me. I have racked my brain all week wondering what did I ask her and what did she say in response? I can't remember any of the words, but what I do remember of this living history in front of me was that she was kind of mean and cranky. One might say rude. She had come to tell us about this inspirational new program to teach school children about American government and civics through video games. She had come to receive an honorary doctorate for her work in American life and particularly her new work in retirement in American education. In her address, she was applauded for and stressed how important students are. And now here were some real life students 
And to quote the late, great Maya Angelou, people will forget what you know and people will forget what you said, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Or as another old saying goes, kids, don't meet your heroes. You'll always be disappointed. Sandra Day O'Connor was an inspiration to me. But on that day, she didn't seem so inspiring. So what do we do? In those moments when the thing that we thought was going to be inspiring or awesome or awesome is less than we expected. This is a pertinent question for us as we finish up our worship series, Creation Speaks. We have followed the seven days of creation found in the great poem that begins our Bible, beginning at Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. We have stepped these last seven weeks as we have been invited by light and refreshed by water, shaped like earth, moved through seasons, remembered our kinship with animals, rediscovered the purpose for humanity, and now on this seventh day, as we are inspired by creation. The director of our curriculum is a disciples minister who lives in California named Lee Yates. When he visited with camp staff by Zoom back in April, he noted that day seven took a little more consideration when they were crafting the camp curriculum. They didn't want to end camp or this worship series just talking about Sabbath, although that is much of what Genesis 2 focuses on. But rather, what does Sabbath do for us? How do we understand in a new way, in a way that will make sense for disciples of all ages, especially the young and young at heart, what that resting and blessing that God is doing means? For Lee Yates, it was this notion of being inspired. In the face of creation, in the face of God's creative work, in the face of this ongoing creative activity. Surely we are inspired. We just have to take notice. We just have to let it bless us and for us to bless it in return. And that is good work. But it is not always easy work. It is easy to be inspired by creation when times are beautiful, but it is harder when times are ugly. I'm a water person. When I want to be refreshed and renewed, I want to go to a lake or even the beach, although I'm not a sand person, just a water person. I'm also a tree person. I like to be nestled in the woods. I like being in a cabin and rustling grass. I can hear God pass. I like mountains. Less than the rest that I've just mentioned, but they'll do the trick. When I was in Alaska earlier this summer with the Helm undergraduate fellows, I had learned my nephew had died and that he was stillborn. And I was grateful that we, I got that call just as we were taking off to climb Flat Top Mountain. It's like a two-hour climb. 
not that hard, but it was good to work muscles and to see the vastness of the world. There is, even in that moment for me, something comforting and remembering that we are so small. But sometimes creation doesn't hold us and comfort us. Sometimes it does not renew us and refresh us. Creation also can turn ugly, and we know that well. Tornadoes can rip through a house, and hurricanes can flood cities, and the earth can tremble and swallow communities whole. What do we do with that? We look out, and in the news this week, we see we have a Hurricane Fred. Another earthquake has struck the ever-impoverished country in Haiti. Wildfire season has created a summer of smoke that has affected the entire continent, but the Northwest most of all. How are we inspired by that? One of the pastors that I've been most influenced by is Lillian Daniel. A decade ago, she wrote a provocative opinion for HuffPost entitled, Spiritual but not religious, please stop boring me, which I will quote at length. She writes, on airplanes, I dread the conversation with the person who finds out I am a minister and wants to use the flight time to explain to me that he is spiritual but not religious. Such a person will always share that this as if it is some kind of daring insight, unique to him, bold in its rebellion against the religious status quo. The next thing you know, he's telling me that he finds God in sunsets. These people always find God in sunsets and in walks on the beach. And sometimes I think these people never leave the beach or the mountains with all the communing they do with God on hilltops and hiking trails. And did I mention the beach at sunset yet? Like people who go to church don't see God in the sunset. Like we are these monastic little hermits who never leave the church building. How lucky we are to have these geniuses inform us that God is in nature. As if we don't know that from the Psalms, the creation stories, and throughout our deep tradition. Being privately spiritual but not religious just doesn't interest me. There is nothing challenging about having deep thoughts all by oneself. What is interesting is doing this work in community where other people might call you on stuff or heaven forbid just disagree with you. Where life with God gets rich and provocative is when you dig deeply into a tradition that you did not invent all for yourself. Fire indeed. I think, what do we do in these moments when it is not clear how creation is an inspiration? Relates intimately with the work of the church today, which is that above all things, we must be honest. In Jesus' name, we have to tell the truth even when it is hard. The truth of the matter is that creation is not always inspiring at first blush. Sometimes we are not captivated by beauty, and sometimes it is not a meadow with flowers and butterflies all the time. It can be wind and fire and water. 
It can be loss and sadness. Sometimes this creative world that we live in is a disaster and a loss of human life. Learning to live as part of that creation is hard work. It is not work that we are always good at in our 21st century lives. We have taken our command to tend and to keep, to have dominion and a special place of care into a free-for-all power grab. As if we were in a game, our community, our life is all that matters. And so winning is only if the rest are losing, subdued instead of flourishing. It is time that we learn to live as part of the creation, a special part, but a part nonetheless. And where we begin is by joining with the psalmist that Serenity read for us today in Psalm 104 and saying that God is still moving, still active, is the creator and creating still, even when we don't comprehend it individually. We begin by saying that God stretched out the heavens like a tent and is still stretching out the heavens like a tent. We begin by saying that God set the earth on its foundations and is still setting the earth on its foundations. That God makes springs which gush forth in the valleys and is still making springs which gush forth in the valleys. And in community, we puzzle out the rest. Because easy answers won't suffice very long. It is true that the day I met Sandra Day O'Connor was a disappointment. But I still find her inspiring. Because although it is true that she was a little cross with us and a little belittling and also we were undergraduates next to a Supreme Court Justice of the United States it is also true that she began her career working for free because she was unable to find anyone who would hire her because she was a woman that's still inspiring because it is true that she was the first woman to serve as a state house majority leader for any state in the history of this country. That is still inspiring. Because it is still true that she broke barriers so that others could follow. That is still inspiring. And the same is true with creation. Spiritual but not religious approaches will work only to a point. We need community to suss out the truth of creation, of finding God in any moment and remembering that the good news of Jesus can be heard in creation if we have ears to hear. Anyone can find God and remember and meaning in the good moments. But let us be inspired by creation. You're remembering that it is still speaking even in those ugly moments. So let us renew our commitment to do the work of the church in this time and to tell the truth as we know it. 
Creation is not always pretty. But nevertheless, it was created good by a loving God. And if we will look close enough, and if we will listen long enough, we can still find that message, even today, and be inspired by creation again. Amen. This sermon podcast is a ministry of First Christian Church, El Reno, Oklahoma. It is preached about 85% of the time by senior minister Colton Lott, about 10% of the time by associate minister Tara Dew, and about 5% of the time from a beloved guest. If you check the math and we're wrong, don't worry about it. This podcast is produced by communications coordinator Rachel Carlson, and the instrumentalization you hear is by Chris Prather, our bell choir director, percussionist, and composer in residence. Christian community is made up by the individuals who show up each week, and so while this has been preached and produced by some, it is the work of many. So whether you show up with your body or with your enthusiasm, with your dollars, with your prayers, or your love, thank you for making the body of Christ real and felt and known. Go and be a blessing this day and always, friends. Amen.